I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And on this week's episode, we will be discussing the third episode of season two of Supernatural, titled Bloodlust. Jamie, what did you think? The vegan vampires from Twilight. Yeah, I know. They're the the, the supernatural version of the Cullens. I also thought that. (laughs) The crossover we didn't know we needed. (laughs) Do you think they also play baseball during Storms? Maybe. Maybe. They seem like they would be into team sports. Yeah. They're pretty chill people, actually. Yeah. Is this what you were talking about when, like, back in Dead Man's Blood, you were like, oh, well, do they deserve to live? Yeah, because this is literally not example. even like four episodes later. You're like, yeah. Can we talk for a second about how your prediction from last episode was that they wouldn't do vampires again so soon? That seems so out of character. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they went from being like <laughs> vampires are fucking extinct mm. to here have like multiple occasions. Have eight. <laughs> have eight vampires in like the course of like three months. Yeah. How the hell did the Winchesters think vampires were extinct? Well, Oh, God knows. Fucking John brainwashing, that's what. And Lenore actually mentions, like, in the episode, she says, like, our kind are nearly extinct. And that is, like, bizarre to me. Because thinking about all of the seasons of Supernatural, I feel like vampires are not, like, they're not the most common thing that they deal with, but they're certainly not an uncommon thing that they deal with. Like you said, they've had two episodes within four weeks, you know, where they're dealing with relatively large groups of vampires. And... This group of vampires is very different to the first group of vampires we encountered, but they're still vampires. And like, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a funny thing that they keep bringing up that they're like nearly extinct, but it just, there's like a disconnect there. It's like, yeah, yeah, but within the last like two months, you have dealt with two different nests of vampires. Yeah. But they're extinct. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's just a very funny, um, while we're on the topic of the vampires. Actually, no, if. If they're saying, like, they're almost extinct, they've been hunted out, how many vampires were around before? If this is vampires almost extinct... Yeah, shit. I never even thought of that. I mean, I guess maybe at some... Look, when did Twilight come out? 2008? Does that sound... It was, like, not early, early 2000s, but it was, like, before 2010, I'm pretty sure. Because I was just going to say, maybe there was, like, a surge in vampire activity around, like, that kind of era because it would just mean that they could like go out and people would just think they were cosplaying or something the movie was released on december of 2008 oh so the books have been before that yes i'm just trying to place twilight (laughs) within the supernatural universe released annually from 2005 oh there we go so there would maybe there was like a twilight was already released before this was do you reckon like the first novel do you reckon any vampires in supernatural have read twilight is twilight Canonically, part <laughs> yes. of Supernatural. Yes, I'm pretty sure Dean makes reference to Twilight at some point in the show, which means that it is canonical within Supernatural. So while we're talking about Lenore, yep. I just really want to quickly point out: I actually, the actress who plays her plays Tara in Buffy, and yes. so it's so funny to me because like I can't watch her without being like, "Oh my god, Tara!" <laughs> um, so I, it's completely irrelevant, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, and also, actually, the actor who plays Eli, I recognised in the credits as Ty Olsen. And I was like, oh my god, he... I was like, what is he doing? Like, I saw the credits before I saw the actor. Yeah. And I was like, that can't be who I think it is. And so I looked it up. It is. Ty Olsen actually comes back. He's one of the recycled actors. He plays quite a significant character in season eight. So look forward to that. 
Um, he actually plays one of the characters I asked you about as a recurring character in our intro episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I didn't realise he was a recycled actor. actor. Yeah. Like, he had a pretty, like, small he... and insignificant part in... In this, yeah, yeah. But he actually comes back as quite a significant role in season eight. So that's fun, because he's a really... The character that he ends up playing, I really like. Um, and I think you will too... But yeah, I just wanted to point that out because I just never noticed. I didn't know that he was ever in earlier seasons. I clearly just wasn't paying that much attention before, but... Talking about actors. Yeah. Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sterling K. Brown. You would be astounded, the people who have appeared in the CW Supernatural. There is a bizarre list of people. Yeah. I was... I saw his name. I'm like, what's he doing in this? Like... Surely he's too talented for the CW Supernatural. <laughs> no shade to any of the other actors who appear. I think that about 90% of the actors who are on CW Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, but, like, to be fair, though, this is, like, the second season. So this would have been probably a lot earlier in his career. Mm. Like, before... Because it's been quite recently that he's really, like, catapulted to... More notable fame. Yeah. Yeah. It just blew my mind because I'm like... Here is this actor who is now quite well known. Yeah. Or at least I've heard of him, which means that he probably has some sort of notability. Yeah. When I saw him, I, at first I thought maybe he's a vampire, because at that point they've already gone to the morgue and you were correct when they lift up like the lip and they like push the teeth so yeah. better effect. Yeah, the actually like the physical, like it looks much better than when they introduce it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even actually when um towards the end of the episode when they're he's Gordon, actually, his character is torturing Lenore. Yeah. Um, and you see her fangs come out. I thought yeah. that was also better, better. than yeah. the original special effect that they used. In yeah. Dead Man's Blood. Yeah. 100%. I was like, yeah, that is better. I'm Way glad better. that you liked it. Because like, I think it's quite yeah. effective. It's good. It does its purpose. I didn't think, oh, wow, that is terrible. Like, that, is, yeah. that was a bad choice. Which, which I did in the original episode they did about vampires. So they're improving. So they are improving. Wonderful. At least that specific special effect. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, no, I realise he has to be a hunter. Like, they're not going to reveal the vampires that early. Yeah. Like, there's got to be a twist. When I said last week that I don't think they're going to bring back vampires, uh, vampires so, soon. so soon. When they did bring back vampires so soon, I'm like, well, they have to be doing something different with them yeah like it can't just be the same situation of like they can't have another magic gun yeah yeah (laughs) like they can't just have like this is really black and white like these you know we're just gonna go and kill like a nest of vampires because they just did that like that's basically what they just did yeah like it just also had the side effect of also introducing the cult the cult which was a very convenient magical gun (laughs) You're still wrapping your head around that one, yeah. <laughs> it was a choice to introduce the magical save everything gun in the third to last episode. Yeah, which is still missing. Well, it's not missing. We know who has it. I mean, to be fair though, Sam and Dean don't know who has it. True. They can, I guess, for them it's assume. Missing. Yeah. But for the audience, we know who has it. Yeah, yeah. While we are sort of still talking about uh, Sterling K. Brown, I wanted to ask you about the character he plays, Gordon. What are your thoughts? Just in general. I don't like the character. You don't like the character because you don't like the character or you don't like it be- like you don't like him as a do you know what I'm saying? No no like it's like you don't I... like Umbridge because she's a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. No yeah. no I mean like I I don't 
I like the character. I don't like the character. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's a good villain because you hate him. Yeah. Which makes him a good character. But he's also not someone that you just, like, straight up hate. It's but also, I totally predicted the plot twist. Like, they were like, oh, when you, like, when you, your sister was killed by a vampire, I'm like, the sister wasn't killed, it was turned. Like, if you listen to him describe the story. Yeah. It's very obvious that he's describing the vampires turning his sister and not killing yeah. his sister. One thing that I really liked about this episode, and you sort of touched on it before about, you know, it's not all black and white, and they do have this discussion actually within the dialogue as well, is I like that at the start, you assume that the woman who is killed is a human and that it's like another hook-handed monster that's getting her. And it's not until later when you see, like, Gordon's hook that you're like, oh, no, in like, he was painted as the monster. And then they sort of keep flip-flopping back between... Because he was originally painted as the, mo- as the monster, but you didn't know who he was. Yeah. And then you think he's a good guy because he's a hunter. And then you're like, actually, no, he's a bad guy because he doesn't have any fucking morals, I guess. No, or, like, he, his moral compass is different to the boys. And the boys are painted as correct. moral compass is, like, that metronome. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It, it's one way or the other. Like, it's not... He, he literally says it himself that, like, there is no shade of grey. Like, it's black and white. Like, and yeah. he doesn't stop to consider, like, the vampires could be more than vampires, if that makes sense. Like, he sees a vampire and he goes, you have the potential to kill, so therefore I need to stop you. Yeah. It's not a logical way of looking at the world. Like, his mentality of just, like, a vampire is evil regardless. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter what choices they make, they are evil. Mm -hmm. Is just, like, you see actually see this mentality a lot. Yeah. In regards to, like, especially, like, we're in Australia, like, there is a massive movement of, like, killing sharks, etc., because they're dangerous. Mm. It's like, well, that's not actually the case. You're going, up, oh, but they kill people like, and not looking at any of the outside factors around yeah. sharks killing. You're just sort of assuming that because they're capable of killing, therefore they should die. They are a threat. Yeah. And, oh, man... This is not so relevant, but I think for me, like, the whole thing with that is, like, if I went swimming in the ocean and I got bitten by a shark or eaten by a shark, would I be happy about it? No. But I think that kind of, like, when you decide that you are going to enter a different predator's territory, you're, like, essentially... It's, like, the nature equivalent of signing away your life on a waiver. It's, like... I have agreed to put myself in a situation where I recognize this is a risk. Like, if you don't want to be eaten by a shark, don't go swim in the ocean. You will not be eaten by a shark if you don't swim in the ocean. Unless someone murders you and then feeds you to a shark, which is different. And I guess in this instance, like, you can't just be like, well, I put myself in a vampire's territory, but... Yeah, but even in that situation, that's like being like, oh, we should just kill all humans because everyone is capable of murder. Yeah, it's the nature versus nurture thing again. And, and again, coming back to Twilight... There are vampires within Twilight that kill people, and then there are vampires within Twilight that don't. And it's, like, the exact same situation here. Like, they're saying, we don't want to kill people, and their reasoning is, like, if we don't kill people, we get to live. Yeah. Because no one comes for us, because there's, you know... We can live in peace if we don't raise any red flags around the area. Like, exactly. we can, you know, survive. It's not an issue. Like, it... It's not ideal for us. We don't like living on animals and not people. But also... We would prefer to live. We would prefer to live and we'd prefer to have 
a peaceful life where we're not having to constantly look over our shoulders for hunters. Exactly. And I think they make a good point, which is like the same as the point that was made in um, the end of season one. Why do they deserve to die? Like, and remembering that no one really chooses to become a vampire. Like, generally speaking, we've not seen someone yet who's chosen that. It's just, you're put in that position. You're so, forced. Exactly. So, why should they be punished for being put in a position that they never wanted? And yeah, especially if they're doing everything they can to avoid, you know, being a quote-unquote, like, villain. And to avoid hurting humans, like... Yeah, and I think it is interesting, actually, because a lot of the time, I think, shows kind of have who would normally traditionally be considered the villain speak to the protagonists on screen and be like, I'm not like the other monsters. I'm different. And you kind of have to take them at their word, but you don't get to see them interact without the protagonists. Whereas in this episode, what's interesting is we get to see Lenore and Eli interact separate to the protagonists. So they're not acting for anyone. You know that they're not just making shit up so that they can get out of the situation. Genuinely, she's saying, no, we are not going to kill these people. We are just going to pack up and we are going to move on because that's what we want to do. We don't want to stoop that low. We are better than they are. We are not going to kill them just because of who they are because we are better than that. And it's nice to have that sort of confirmation. Confirmation is a good word. That it's not just an act. Yeah. It's not just a ploy that they're trying to pull to get out of the situation and to... Yeah, and they didn't have to keep that scene in. Like, the plot and whatever would have made sense without it, but I am glad that they left it in. Because, it, yeah, it's a nice confirmation, and you know that they mean it when they say, we don't want to live how you think we live. But, I mean, also, in just, like, this... They kidnap Sam, which is kind of hilarious, but also, like... <laughs> I like that they knocked him out with a phone. <laughs> I like the little ding noise. But then they just, like, straight up let him go. And I, I like that as, like, an expression of, like... Trust. Yeah. And I, I really like that as an expression of, like, we are telling the truth here. Like, if we... Because, like, he was very... He was quite sceptical. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably rightfully so. But the fact that they let him go is the one thing they could have done. To prove the point. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if they had just thought, oh, he... And, like, murdered him or whatever or not returned him or held him hostage or whatever. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, they've already demonstrated that Sam would be dead. Yeah. And if that's how easy they kill Sam, like, all he has to do, all they have to do is get Dean alone and Dean's dead. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they had wanted to fight back against the Hunters, they could have. They had ample opportunities to do it. And the Hunters would be dead now. Yeah. And also, it's not like they don't have motive either because they've killed their family member. Like, they beheaded him at the, like, construction site or whatever it was. So they have reason, like, justifiable reason to kill them, going by supernatural standards, obviously. Yeah. You know, like, Sam and Dean, they kill the things they kill because they feel justified in it. Yeah. I think that if you use the same, like, standards, the vampires would have been completely justified in killing them as, like, revenge. I also thought it was a very good moment in the writing when they have Sam say, we don't kill supernatural beings we kill evil things. Like, yeah. Like, he made the distinction between things that are supernatural and things that are... Evil. Evil. Yeah. And that's a really interesting, like, the dichotomy between Sam and Dean again of what is 
what should be killed, you know, and what their role as hunters actually is. And it kind of comes back again to, we see them sort of not pitted against each other as such, but having opposing views a lot. And, uh, you know, like when they're talking about John, for example, you know, we know that Sam doesn't want to listen to John. We know that Dean does. And this is another one of those things where Dean has a very steadfast opinion and Sam has a very steadfast opinion. And both of them have their reasons that you can understand. And you kind of are put as the audience member, you're kind of put in a position of having to take a side. In this instance, I align myself with Sam's way of thinking. And from the way you've been talking, I assume you do too. Yeah, I'm not out here just killing like a bunch of things because they have the potential to do harm. Yeah. But this in particular is sort of an ongoing, not argument between the two, but it's definitely an ongoing difference of opinion that they have that's revisited a few times throughout the series. Um, But I think what's interesting is, I think you mentioned earlier, like the discussion that Gordon had with Dean and he's talking about, you know, it's, it's all black and white and... Even from the pilot, like we were talking about how we enjoyed the fact that it's not black and white and how they have like antagonists that actually began as victims. And, you know, they have this sort of interesting morality of the antagonists that are put in. And so I thought it was funny that they would like, you know, have this character being like, it's all black and white when it's like, well, the entire of the first season kind of defeats that point of view pretty immediately. And it, like, even, like, in Asylum, they establish yeah. that it is not... The traditional villain yeah. is generally not necessarily the case. Yeah. Like, just because you want to cast somebody as a villain does not mean that they are the villain. Yeah. Moving on, let's talk about Gordon, the hunter. Yeah. I don't like him as a person. Neither. He, the way he calls vampires fangs... Doesn't sit right with you? It just... I, I don't know. Like, it just... Yeah, it, A, I thought it was just kind of annoying as hell. And B, it's just like, well, why, why are you reducing them to fangs? Like, and then, I mean, it makes more sense later on when it's sort of revealed that... He's he, insane? Yeah. 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 Uh, But it was just like, I don't know. I didn't like it. It felt very like, not like dehumanising, but it felt very much like... It's funny because I was also thinking dehumanizing, but I understand what you mean. It doesn't feel like quite the right term, but yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because they're not human, so it's not like... Yeah. But it's also like their their fangs are sort of the one thing that really do differentiate them. And their diet. <laughs> the diet is a direct result of the fangs, kind of. I understand what you mean. And I think even in the episode, like, when he's talking about decapitating Lenore, he says, you know, it's, it's going to be humane. And it's... Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Like, he kind of refers to them as, like, animals. Yeah. More so than... Intelligent beings capable of thought. Well, even... In, I was going to say the same thing, but then, you know, can we can't say that a dog isn't an intelligent being capable of thought, can we? So, you know, I feel like he just kind of acts as if they are, like, objects almost. Like, he doesn't ascribe them... He always treats them like... Like, personhood. He doesn't give them a identity as an individual he looks at them as a group of faceless monsters decides they're universally bad and is determined to kill every single one of them regardless Hmm. of any external factors yeah yeah and it's gordon like obviously sam and dean as hunters and even john or ellen or whoever as hunters bobby as a hunter they kill things and it's not pleasant a lot of the time gordon is disturbing 
in the way he hunts in a way we haven't seen before. He's very gleeful about it. Yeah, and it's very much like he was causing her an unnecessary amount of discomfort. And, you know, even outside of just the way he treated Lenore, like, he was immediately, like, he just grabbed Sam and just fucking cut him. Mm. Like, and it's sort of as, like... He doesn't just disregard, like, the innate personhood of vampires. He also does it to Sam, who, for all accounts and purposes, should be on his team. Yeah. And he says in the episode himself, he says, I work alone. What's meant to that effect? And it's like, it's probably good. That's because, because you clearly have no regard for anyone else. You know, you just have very much tunnel vision. And it's also probably because anyone else would run away in fucking yeah. revulsion at his worldview. Well, even like Ellen says, like, he's a good hunter. Do not work with him, though. You know, like, that was her immediate reaction yeah. was like, he's a good He's hunter. fine. You can go and get a beer with him that neither here nor there... But do not fucking work with him on a hunt. Like, yeah, yeah. do not, like, it's one thing if you come across him and you have a chat to him and then you go your separate ways. One of the things that I wanted to talk about as well in relation to Gordon as a character is that Dean, like, immediately, like... Latches onto him. Vibes with him. I think Gordon presents himself as, like, kind of how Dean wants, wants to, be. to be. Yeah, like, no-nonsense black and white, just, like... Get in, get the job done, tough, macho man, like... Yeah, and I think Sam even says, like, he can't replace Dad. Like, I can see what you're doing, like, you know. And it's interesting listening to the conversation that he and Gordon have. Like, he's telling Gordon about his first hunt, and he's, like, 16. And that's shit in on, you know, so many levels. And he mentions, like, you know, he can't talk about this stuff with Sam. He's got to keep up a brave face, which kind of ties back to things that mm. we were talking about in season one, where Dean doesn't feel like he can be, I don't know, like, weak isn't the right word, like, emotional, you know? Like, he he can't let himself appear vulnerable to Sam because he needs to keep up this impression of himself. But it doesn't work because Sam sees through it anyway. I think we've reached today's PSA. Do you have any guesses this week what it is? Okay. I don't know what it is. Okay. But I want to say it has something to do with the cop's moustache. Because no. that was fucking impeccable. That man's <laughs> moustache, hot. I don't know. Like, it was just thick and luscious and, like, perfectly trimmed. I really liked it. <laughs> I have no idea how that could possibly relate, but, like, my first thought is that it's something to do with that, so I could be entirely wrong. You uh, are so <laughs> far off base. It's okay. not even funny. <laughs> okay. Do you have any other other guesses lined up other than something to do with a cop's moustache? Uh, don't buy beers you're not actually going to drink? No. Oh, then I've got no idea. Okay, this week, my PSA. Don't call customer service workers sweetie. Oh, yeah. Or darling. Uh Or fucking sweetheart or any of that other bullshit. Yeah. Don't you fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Don't fucking do that shit. I was just like, you know, like my customer service PTSD, like kicked in like a little bit there. I was like, yeah. The trauma. Yeah. Because yeah. did you even notice that moment? I did. Where he's like yeah. sitting in the restaurant and Gordon's like, oh, thanks, sweetie. And I'm like, it's like, get fucked, uh... man. 
honestly, it's so much to do with who's saying it and the way they say it. But yeah, no, the way he said it, you just know that woman walked out the back, threw down her tray, turned to her co-worker and went, oh my fucking God, the nerve on that man. Like, you know, you just know she walked away pissed about that. Like, like I'm immediately like giving that dude slightly worse service. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You're immediately just like, mm, no smile for you. <laughs> no. So do not call customer service workers, sweetie. Just know that if you called me sweetie, you were getting worse service. Like, straight up. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, if I'm making your food, like... You're getting a sloppy burger. <laughs> you're, you're getting food that is not going to be cooked right. Like, I mean, like, I'm not, not going to give anyone salmonella. No, <laughs> I'm not out here giving people food poisoning. But, like, if your chicken's a little dry, I don't give a shit. Know that it's on purpose. <laughs> Actually, and here's the other thing that's really shitty about this situation. Because, like, being in Australia working in like food service we can afford to give worse service if someone is going to act like that but in america where it's so much like working for tips like you're put in this stupid position where like if someone is disrespectful to you you just have to keep being bubbly and friendly what a stupid because then and then what if they don't even give you a good tip like what was the point yeah okay so (laughs) that was my psa so, after that genuinely good advice, I want to talk about some bad advice. Okay. Which is the advice that Gordon gave, which is that it's not it's not a bad thing to have a big empty hole inside of you full of rage. <laughs> <laughs> I think, actually, Gordon, that is, in fact, a terrible thing. Um, <laughs> and maybe we shouldn't be encouraging Here's it. Here's the thing, though. That is impossible. You cannot have a big empty hole full of rage because then it's not a big empty hole anymore because it's full, full of rage. rage. You know what I mean. You understand the the implication. I really, oh God, I really don't like Gordon. I really don't. But I wanted to bring this up because at one point in the episode, he says to Dean, you know, Sam's different, but you, you're like me. You're a killer like me. And that line in particular is actually incredibly relevant all the way through to the second last episode of the series. Like, all the way through. So I wanted to, like, make a point of it because I think this is the first time that someone kind of says anything to that effect, like accusing Dean, like saying, like, you're a killer, you know, that's who you are. And it stays relevant. So I wanted to just put it in there. I find that kind of funny, though, because, like, from my perspective, having watched, like, the first season, yeah, Sam's more of a killer than Dean because Sam has been so hell-bent on revenge this entire goddamn time that he will stop at nothing to get it. Apart from shooting his own father, which is fucking coward! (laughs) Um, No. So, like, it's really... Because they've they've certainly tried to frame it as, like, you know, Sam's the one who's like, we got to kill these fucking things, like, blah, 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 blah. And they sort of, like, not a full 180, but they do, like, a pivot here. Yeah, and it's like, where suddenly Sam's more empathetic and Dean's yeah. like, no, we're going to kill it regardless. Yeah. Whereas, like, previously there have been multiple instances where it's been, like... The other way around. Sam, who's like, no, we just got to kill it. And Dean's like, well, actually, we've got to, like... Think about it. Think it through first. Yeah. Before we, like, just kill it. So, yeah, I found that really interesting that they chose for Dean to have that conversation with Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. And not Sam. Yeah. I think also... I really liked that at the end of the episode, Dean actually like brings up and like with Sam and he questions like, what if we've killed things that didn't deserve to be killed? 
you know, he talks about how John raised them to hate anything that wasn't human, and they do. They're like, you know, that's the mentality we were raised with. That's the mentality we have. And I just think that was really interesting and a nice reflection. Um, it's certainly something like the morality and the moral questions. These are all things that come up a lot more commonly in the Kripke era than in any other era within Supernatural. And I do kind of miss the more moral questions. Like, I wish that that had been a continuing theme throughout the series more prominently. Because after a certain point, they kind of, it just sort of drops off. Um, And it goes back to, like, monsters bad, Winchester's good. Not exclusively, but to a greater extent, yeah. Less reflecting on the actions that the brothers actually take and whether they were justified. Yeah, and there are, don't get me wrong, there are definitely plot points that focus on that, but I think the key there is there are plot points that focus on that. It's less of a episode-by-episode conundrum that they have. It's more of a, they'll make a specific point out of a particular quote-unquote villain. Let's talk about when Sam gets kidnapped. Straight up like someone out of like an action movie or something. When he gets like returned, he's like, ah, oh, yes, we crossed the bridge. It was four and a half minutes. <laughs> I know. And then we turned left. Like, what? <laughs> I know, it's such a bizarre, like, I mean, it makes sense, like, that he would try and figure out, like, where they were taken from yeah. or whatever. But, like. Also. Uh, I love when Dean's like, how do you know? And he's like, accountant. Duh. <laughs> But also, like, I'm just trying to imagine, like, myself in that situation. Like, I'm kidnapped, okay? Don't panic too much. I'm still right here. Okay. <laughs> I was really worried for a second, Jamie. Yeah. But I'm kidnapped now, also. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm blindfolded in a van. Sure. Because nothing good happens Wait, in a van. Wait, let me close my eyes and really picture the image. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. You're kidnapped. In a, are you tied up? Yeah. Okay. I can't move. I'm blindfolded. Okay. So over my entire head, because that's really necessary. They're torturing you by force-feeding you dairy. Yep. (laughs) See it now? (laughs) They're just shoving it through, like, the bag (laughs) over my head. Yeah. No. So I'm kidnapped. I'm tied up in the back of a van. Uh Uh-huh. Can't see anything. Uh Uh-huh. Got the blindfold set drum. Eating string cheese. Yeah. (laughs) I would be, like, counting. Like, I'm like, okay, yep. Like, one, two, three, four. You know, you get up to, like, a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. You're, like, left turn. And then you start counting again. And then you can't remember the numbers yeah. for, like, the between turns. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, you're counting. So, like, the, all the other numbers, like, exit your brain. I don't know about mm. you, but, like, if I start, like, if I'm, like, ah, oh, yes, like, 63, 63, 63, and then I start counting again, 63 is gone. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, like, I get to a certain point where I'm, like, counting away. And say I'm, like, doing a task. Say I'm, like, I don't know, working out, and I'm, like, lifting a weight or something and I'm counting in my brain I'm like okay I gotta do 10 reps I get to like seven I'm like did I count number six and while I'm having that thought I've done like another two and I'm like wait no what number am I at now and then I just like pick a number arbitrarily I'm like (laughs) I'm gonna say that I'm at seven now like now that I've done an extra two now I'm at seven and so then you're like okay eight and then you're like wait a minute did I count you you know (laughs) that's how I do it I just like I stand there and it's like I'm still doing reps yeah. I've got no idea how many I've done now. It's probably it's like, been ten already. It's like, but in your brain, it's still seven because you don't know if you counted yeah. six. Yeah, and so I'm kind of like, instead of like counting the reps, I just kind of go by vibe. I'm like, I feel like I've done about ten. <laughs> like, it's not that difficult to count to ten. But as soon as I'm doing any kind of task and I like zone out, I forget to count. And then I'm like, wait, did I count that? And that would be me in the car. If I was kidnapped, I would be like, ten, eleven... 12, did I count 7? 
15. Like, <laughs> like I would just be like trying to like not lose count, but still trying to figure out if I've already lost count. Oh man. Like I remember this one time I used to do swimming and we were doing laps and we had to count how many laps we could swim. Impossible. In, like, in a I'm too frame. focused on breathing while swimming to count laps. Yeah, I'm like counting. Cause you know when you do like um, freestyle and you like three, one, two, three arms and then breathe. One, two, three and breathe. Like I'm doing that. So I'm counting laps, but I don't know. And I realized because I was like, I was quite a fast swimmer. Yeah. And so I was overtaking people like doing laps and stuff. And in my head, I counted that I had done 75 laps within the, like something like that in the allocated time. And at the end of the session, they asked us like each, like, oh, how many laps did you do? And I was like, oh, like 75. And I was like, yeah, that's how many I counted. And then some of the other people in the swim group were like, I did 110. And I was like, how? I swam past you like three times. And I realized it's because I kept getting fucking distracted (laughs) by counting my one, two, threes. And I just kept having moments where I was like, how many laps have I done? I don't know, probably like 60. Which means I had probably (laughs) done like 80 at that point. And I just started counting again from 60 because I couldn't remember what numbers I'd counted. And I picked an arbitrary value. So even though I had lapped all these people, they were like, yeah, I did 110 laps. And I was like, I did 75, which is 40 less laps than you. But I lapped you three times. So it just, it made no sense. But yeah, so in today's episode of Bethany doesn't know how to count, I don't know how to count. But no, like, I'm just like, he's like recounting all the directions. I'm like, you know when you ask someone for directions? Like, yeah. <laughs> and they give you like four instructions and you're like, cool, thanks. Then you walk away and as soon as you're three steps away, you're like, I've forgotten everything after the first instruction. Yeah. Like Bunnings. Mm. And they're like, go down aisle 39, turn left at the second intersection, look to your right approximately one meter from the ground. And you're like, which aisle? But you've already like, they've already left. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And then you just, off you wander. And you're like, did they say aisle 39? 29? 31? 70? <laughs> it's a Bunnings. There could be 70. Yes. No. I completely understand. I would be useless in that scenario. If I was kidnapped and like I somehow escaped or something and people were like, where did they take you? I'd be like, "I look, maybe they drove 10 minutes. Maybe they drove an hour. Could not tell you. I'm just bad at knowing things. And counting. And counting. Which is really funny because I'm actually quite good at math. I'm useless. I'm literally a walking, talking stereotype though. It's terrible. Can't read maps. Well, I am useless. <laughs> Even if they gave me a map and was like, indicate whereabouts you are, I'd be like, I don't know. I'm very bad at like directions. Like so bad. People will be like, oh yeah, it's like just off of this road. I'm like, what road? It's like, turns out it's the road I've driven every day to get to work for the last like four years. It's like, but so- also like, I don't know the name of it. I know. I just know where it is. I feel like this is a bit of a generalization, but I feel like old people do that a lot. Or they'll be like, oh, this road. And I'm like, I don't, what road is that? And they're like, you know, this road. And I'm like, I, they'll be like, I don't know, Smith Street. And I'm like, where the fuck is Smith Street? And they're like, you know Smith Street. I'm like, I don't know Smith Street. And then I'm they'll like, be like, is it this road that has the, you know, petrol station on it? They'll be like, yes. And I'll be like, well, then it's the petrol station road. <laughs> it's not. It's not fucking Smith Street. That's not how road names work. Yeah, right? I'm like, I know like three road names. <laughs> That's it. You know, and it's like the three main roads yeah. and like anything other than that, it's like, I know it based on like, that's where food land is. Well, I'm better than you because I know four words. Oh. One of them is the road I live on. Okay. Well, including the road that I live on, I know five, so. <laughs> wow. I Trying know. to top me. Jesus Because I also Christ. know my old address, so it's like. 
It's taken me so long to learn the names of the roads that I do know. I'm getting there, though. Yeah. One day. One day. One day I'll know. Uh, Oh, one other thing I wanted to touch on is I feel like they've really upped the ante with the sibling vibes the last couple of episodes. Like, I feel like 17, there's just, like, a lot of little moments where you're like, oh, yeah, they're siblings. They're siblings. And in this episode, it really came from the uh, scene where they're in the, the morgue and they're looking at the decapitated head and it's just like a, you open it. No, you open it. I'm like, I don't want to stick my hand in her mouth. Well, I don't want to stick my hand in her mouth. And it's just a very much like, I don't want to, well, I don't want to. And you then do it. it's you like, do it. you do it. And then Dean spots the like fang and he's like, oh no, like I thought I saw something. And Sam's like, you're fucking with me right now. He's like, what, you want me to throw up? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very fun. I really like when they have sort of like siblingy, like back and forth. I just think it's like a nice dynamic and it's a good reminder that like they're literally just siblings. Do you, you know, think maybe they're acting more like siblings because John's not around anymore? Ooh, I love that. Fresh meta just dropped? Maybe. Fresh meta just dropped. Maybe it's like, you know when like people go through trauma together and they like bond over it? Maybe it's that. Maybe they're like, wow, we're really traumatized individuals. I mean, it could also just be that they were sort of holding themselves back from like having fun and that because of John. Whether they were scared, like, John would think that they were fucking off or something. Like, mm, you know. Yeah. Like, they were so terrified of disappointing their father. They definitely they were sort of, terrified of that. Well, Dean specifically, but yeah. That they sort of held back with a lot of, like, the things that you would call, like, cute, fun family sibling dynamics. Yeah. Like, they didn't do a lot of that because mm, actually, what if John found out? Yeah, actually, they didn't have a lot of that around John either. Like, mm. the episodes that we saw them interacting. Yeah. They were very much more, like, serious business. They were like co-workers. Yeah, yeah. Actually, quick note on John, and I know we've talked about John a lot recently, so it's just a very quick, very quick note. John really kept them in the dark about the actual hunting community. So much in the dark. And this is what I was saying. He is a shit hunter and a shit parent because there is no reason for Dean and Sam to not be part of the hunting community. Yeah. No reason. Zip. Zilt. There is no reason for John to not introduce his boys to, like, Ellen and Joe and Ash. Yeah. None. Especially because, and I mean, we've talked about this before, where it's like, in dangerous situations, why did John not leave the boys with another caregiver? Clearly, Joe is about the same age. Like, would it have been abnormal for, if, say, John and, like, I mean, Ellen's husband was a hunter as well, Mm -hmm. you know. Say, John and, I forget her husband's name go on a hunt together. Ellen's already got Joe. Maybe Sam and Dean hang out too, you know? Like, it doesn't seem abnormal. Or, like, he... Like, they knew Bobby. But, yeah, they they didn't know Ellen or Joe or Ash. They didn't know of Gordon. Like, it just feels like... They didn't know of Ellen either. Oh, yeah. The vampire, the original vampire. But John clearly knew him because he had his name in the jam. Yeah. And it's very much like... It's almost like John has, like kept them specifically to their own family unit and, like, never thought to, like, branch out of it. But, like, clearly there's a whole community that John was very much familiar with. So it sort of doesn't make any sense that the boys would be new to it, you know? And, like, all of these people have heard of them. They're all like, yeah. oh, Sam and Dean Winchester, John's boys. Like, yeah. you know, and they're like, who the fuck are you? And it's just so bizarre to me that they would never have, like... As if John never took Dean to the roadhouse... Even, like, because they were hunting together when John yeah. when Dean was an adult. Yeah. Like, it just, and, you know, they say, oh, like, they probably had a falling out. 
But it's like, at what point did they have a falling out then? Like, 20 years ago? Because Dean doesn't remember them, and Dean was four when John started hunting. Which means he's old enough to have memories from, you know, John interacting with other people. And I don't know about you, but whenever I have, like... Like, obviously, there are some old family friends that, like, I don't remember. Oh, and they run into them at, like, Woolies, and they're like, oh my god, I used to babysit you when you were six months old. Do you remember me? And you're like, no. I was fucking six months old. No, I don't remember you. But, like, places I find especially, like, I'll walk into a place where I went as a kid, and Hmm. I'll be like, I remember, like, this. The scent memory? Yeah. Oh, so strong. I don't remember people. I'm terrible with people. I was going to say, you're face blind. I'm face blind. (laughs) One last thing I wanted to talk about was a shot from the very end of the episode. It's one that's used a lot in, like, gift sets and in, like, aesthetic Tumblr posts. And I love it. I think it's a really beautiful shot. And that's obviously why people use it a lot. Sam and Dean have just had their little uh, heart-to-heart over the roof of the Impala about, you know, the way that they were raised and whether or not things... We haven't even talked about the Impala. Oh, yeah. She's back up and running. Sorry, just hear me. I was like, we literally had like this full in-depth conversation last week about how like the Impala is like a reflection of Dean's mental health and like he puts in the amount of effort like he can afford to expend based on like how well he's feeling and that. And like, she's up and running. She's up and running. She's pristine. Running like fucking clockwork. She's, you know. And then interestingly, they have to jumpstart her. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, not jumpstart. They have to do a hotwire. Hotwire. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Dean says, man, like I just fixed her up. And it's kind of like, again, interesting because you can look at that as a take of like, he was just like, he, he was like coming to grips and he's talking to Gordon. He's like, yeah, you're right. Everything's black and white. And like, this is a good thing about the job. And then like that gets flipped on its head and then he has to fucking like hotwire the car and start all over again. And so it, again, like it's an interesting thought, um, from a meta perspective, but yes, uh, the Impala is up and running again. Sorry, I derailed your point. Moving on. That's okay. While we're on that, I also just want to quickly mention, it always fucks me up for a second when they're driving on the right-hand side of the road. (laughs) Like, they'll be driving, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, oh, right. Americans. America. Yeah, but every single time it trips me up, just because it's so bizarre. Anyway, back to my point. So they've just had their heart-to-heart. Yeah. And there's this shot where Dean's still leaning on the Impala, he's kind of got his hands clasped, and he looks back over his shoulder and there's just this, like, the sun is behind him and there's this beautiful, like, ring of light that kind of, like, frames around his face and it, like, kind of zooms in and he's, like, having a moment where he's thinking, like, reflecting on, like, whether or not everything he killed deserved to die and, like, these things. And he's, it's just a beautiful shot. It's really lovely. I, did you notice it? No. Oh, dude. What I did notice was there's a shot where he's, like, he's got the gun at the very end. And, like, the focus shifts from, like, the gun to Dean. And mm. the sound effect in that moment. I did not notice it. It's so bad. <laughs> We're so useless at, like, one of us would be, like, this very obvious prominent point, And the other one is, like, I literally don't know what you're talking about. Um, like, I was looking down at that moment. Like, Also, I realised throughout our entire discussion about Gordon, we didn't talk about the fact that... They, like, tied him up and, like, straight up were just happy to leave him there for a couple of days. His thing about that is it's, like, justice in a way. They're like, we're gonna let you stew here because A, you're a dick, and B, we don't want you to be able to immediately go out and, like, chase after these people or these vampires that we've just let go. But it's also not a very tactical decision. No. Because they just made an enemy of this man. 
Does he ever come back? He does. Okay. I'm and assuming... this does bite them in the yeah. ass. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm assuming, that, like, if he comes back, like, because, you know, sometimes TV shows like this, like, they do a move like this, and then that It's like, never addressed. Never addressed. Like, it never comes back. It's just... And Supernatural like... is pretty guilty of doing that. A few... Yeah. Uh, actually, a few. <laughs> a few. Multiple. On many... Occasions. Notable occasions. Yeah. Yes, no, this one does come back to bite them in the ass, and I just think... Like, the problem is, they couldn't kill him. No. But also, they couldn't just, like, leave because he would have chased... So it's kind of the only decision they could make, but it also is, like, bad for them later. (laughs) Yeah. I have one set of advice to them for that. Uh Uh-huh. Anytime I had a problem, I just hucked a molotov (laughs) right away. I had a different problem. Oh, there's an episode I really can't wait for you to see where that quote's actually so relevant. And... Like, if that's not your PSA for that episode, I'm going to be disappointed. (laughs) Okay, so on that note, I think that is just about everything for this week's episode. Um, Did you want to go ahead and give us a rating out of five? I'm going to give it three stars. Three, so it's a 0.5 drop from last episode. Look, that moment where he calls the customer service worker sweetie, I know I was establishing that he was a shitty person, (laughs) but also, like, gave me too much, like, you know, like, war flashbacks. I was like... Yeah. Watched my life flash before my eyes and I was like, mm. Do you have any predictions for next week's episode, which is called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things? Are children going to play with dead things? Look, Jamie, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into an actual guest. It kind of sounds like the title is going to be your PSA. <laughs> children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. That makes me think maybe there's something that's like undead, like it looks dead, but then like the children go and play with it and it's actually alive and it murders them. You know what I mean? No. (laughs) I'm trying to think of anything that would look dead that a child would then want to play with. Have you never met a child? Actually, a child today while I was at breakfast with my mum yelled out across a very crowded, like, courtyard, Mum, I have to do a poo and a wee! (laughs) And she was like, that's good, buddy. And he was like, I just wanted you to know in case I took too long. <laughs> and me and the other people who were like around were pissing ourselves laughing. And she was like, okay, sweetie. And the guy at the table next to me, he was like, well, it's very important. He doesn't want her to worry. <laughs> Kids are golden. Sorry. Yes, I've met children. Yes. I can't think of a child who'd want to play with a dead thing. Kids are weird, man. Kids are weird. Kids play with bugs and dirt and sticks and all manner of decomposing things. What's to stop them from interacting with something that looks dead? I mean, like, I'm imagining a child trying to play with a dead body, though. Like, I... No. Like, I'm not meaning... That seems a bit... I'm not meaning, like, a full dead body. I'm meaning, like... What, like a dead arm? Like, just a bit of a body? Like... <laughs> is that a child will play with some kind of dead animal. It's not animal, dead, it just looks dead. Undead animal yeah. that will then become animated and what, eat them? Maybe. Alright. Maybe it's a ghost. There's a lot of ghosts. <laughs> okay. Um, That's me hedging my bet in case it was unclear. Alright, sure. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to move on from that. Look, if 
after that, you still want to interact with Jamie, you can go and find her on Twitter at DriverPicksPod. I reckon to divert her from this uh, path of thought, you should send her a list or screen caps of weirdly famous people who've appeared on Supernatural. I just feel like that would be very fun for her to know out of context. For example, Paris Hilton. Who have I got to look forward to? Yeah, exactly. Who can she keep an eye out for? And if you're not surprised by Bethany's lack of knowledge about children, <laughs> you can go over and interact with her over at Tumblr on Driver Picks the Podcast. And I think we've established that she's not very good at counting. Yeah, I'm bad at counting. So maybe send her some, like, what? how do you count? Like, can you, can you help improve her counting skills? Or just really anything that will help if she ever gets kidnapped one day because she's got to be able to keep track of where she was taken, okay? I'm just imagining people sending me, like, a bunch of pictures of those, like, what are those things with the beads? Abacus. Yeah, abacus. I'm, like, sitting in the back of the van, like, fully, like, gagged, just, like, with my little abacus. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, I think that just about does it. I hope that we haven't scared you off. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode and you'll hear from us again next week. Bye.